you know, I uh, I grew up in the Middle East and uh, I grew up in a household that's a little bit strict. So they weren't cool with me watching the porn. You know, they weren't cool with me watching porn. However, they were cool with me watching halal porn. Yeah, halal porn. If you don't know what halal porn is, basically, it's when the two people that you're watching are married. If they are married, then you can watch halal porn. Now you're probably asking, okay, but how do you know if the porn that you're watching is halal porn? How do you know it's not like it's not like a scam? It's not like some people trying to get into like the halal porn market. Well, you got to look for two main things. The first thing you got to look for the wedding rings. You got to make sure both of them, both parties have a wedding ring on. If it's visible, that's a good sign. Number two, you got to look for a marriage certificate. Usually the marriage certificate is somewhere on display in the video. For people that have like a high quality camera, like a Sony 86400 or any of those, you should be able to like look at the marriage certificate and be able to read it as well. But what happens is a lot of people shoot with their like iPhones and their Samsungs and whatnot. And usually those cameras, the quality isn't as good. So what they'll do is they'll put the marriage certificate in the about description, in the description below or in the comments below somewhere. So what you do, you click on that and then an open a new tab will open up and it's like a pdf file and you can read through it just to get some context on who these two people are and understand you know where they're coming from what their backgrounds are who their families are you know how they met and get all this context just so you know who the people that you're watching are just so you can understand where they're coming from and that is what halal porn is because this is the all-inclusive podcast where we include all the words and all the topics that you care about. Tonight, my guest is none other, none other than Scott Conway. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, here we fucking go. Roll the intro, baby. All right. Episode five. So here I am. With the most well-dressed man <laughs> in sports entertainment, <laughs> a.k.a. Scotty to Hottie, a.k.a. the number one sales guru in downtown Ottawa. Because I think there's a couple of sales gurus and you're like, probably, you know, number one. A.k.a. Scott Conway. Yeah, yeah, I feel like camera shy right now. Like, <laughs> this oh. is my first, uh, my first one. My your first your podcast. first podcast? Yeah, like that I've been a guest on. And you look fucking amazing, Thank by you. the way. Thank your you. sunglasses, <laughs> the hat, the whole thing. I was like, how? What's it's, like the most ridiculous thing that I could wear? Yeah, and <laughs> and this was like number one on the list. This one over yeah, the other shit. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I feel like a sailor. Let's, let's dress like a sailor. Oh man, yeah. It's basically a sailor. <laughs> That's cool. What, Today, what bottle do you have over here? It's like I have the uh, I have the Glenfiddich 18, um, 18 year. I don't know if it's like I should look at it or if I should show it to the camera. <laughs> yeah, um, you can do whatever. You I don't want. know, like what's the proper etiquette? It's a conversational <laughs> podcast. The whole thing is on a garbage truck that's on slightly on fire, and I'm like putting out fire, putting out the fires every now. And I then. feel like we're both like. I feel like it's very formal. It's like it's. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it it depends. Maybe after a while, like sometimes uh, it takes like 10, 20 minutes to get really into it. But mm-hmm. you know, it is what it is. How have you been lately? Good, good. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, getting a. Uh, I just and like. 
been ironing out our call center, just focusing on, uh, yeah, focusing on getting 1% better every day and yeah. harping that message to the team and, and making sure that uh, my messaging is consistent with the team so that they're focused on the right things and making sure that they're getting better and that continuously, continuously seeing improvement for my team. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's really interesting, like from a process standpoint of managing people and it's complete, like being like doing it on the, um, doing it as a day-to-day job versus like coaching other people. It's really rewarding to see the, the growth. So, so the way you said, like, you know, like you're prepping and working on the call center, it's like, it's like, yo, you, this guy runs his own call center. It's like, it's pretty fucking sick. Yeah. It's pretty cool that it's like you basically have a call center set up where there's, you have employees under you and they're all working. Would they be technically working for you or how would that work? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, okay, they are, they're, work, they're not working for the company and you're leading it. They're working for you. Yeah. Like they, okay. they report directly to, they report directly to me. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they are working for the company. Okay. Well. They are, you're just, you're leading them. Yeah. Though, but yeah. yeah okay. Exactly. So, I do like Coach Carter. <laughs> I give the Coach Carter speeches every day. Like this is what we need to focus on, and yeah, a lot of it is also figuring out like where the team is and figuring out how they're feeling and like if they had a down day, um, how to. I don't want to say like manage their emotions, but give them feedback and give them like a frame of reference that they can lean on, that they don't like beat themselves up over it or that they're too yeah. hard on themselves and that they just focus on bouncing back. Yeah. Like um, there's a, yeah, one of the, uh, one lady that uh, we have on board, she, she had like, there's been like one day a week where it's like, she just have has had a day, like she hasn't performed. And then the next day, yeah. It's like I talked to her and it's like, okay, just like focus on um, focus on like staying positive, focus on the things that we talked about, the training, and then she fuck, fucking blows out, out of the water and she'll have like, and it's happened like once a week where it's like shitty day, comes back really strong and it's fucking awesome to see. Damn, that's pretty fucking sick to see people just bounce back like that. Yeah. Like, um, Cause when I worked at uh, Good Life Fitness, I worked there for a bit, and I did sales with them. And our manager was actually pretty sick, even though I didn't like the job. I hated it to be honest. The manager was super sick. He would always pump us up before every day, like at the beginning. And I felt like his job was kind of like that too. Like he would just try to see where everyone was at. But I think later on, at some point, they kind of just gave up on me because like <laughs> I was kind of really shitty at my job, and I'm like, yo, sales. I don't know, man. Uh, selling gym memberships ain't for me. So uh, yeah. Uh, so it's like, uh, at, do you just uh, if you meet someone like me on your in your team that's like, okay, this person's just not performing. Do you just feel like you're waiting to fire them, kind of thing, or are you kind of just like you're gonna try whatever it takes, or or do you guys have some sort... You guys have a probation period or something that you go through? Usually my, my process is I hire to not fire people. <laughs> <laughs> I think that is kind of like it's a crazy concept. But. Dude, Good Life has such massive turnover. I'm surprised that people even... Actually, even the best people there end up leaving at some point. 
Like the smartest people end up leaving. They don't stick around. They find like better opportunities because they're like, yo, I'm good here. So I want to go somewhere else where I can make more money. So when they work for you and they people realize they're good at the sales stuff, don't they don't feel like, uh, you know, oh, I, I'm making good money here. Why don't I go somewhere else? Like the incentive is to stick around. Like is the money good enough? That's that um, that's always kind of in the back of my head of thinking or trying to think about. But I also paint a vision of where it is that we're going and what it is that we're trying to accomplish. And I also spend a lot of time like doing, well, not a lot of time. I'd maybe meet with every team member once a week for probably about 30 minutes and give them uh, give them something to focus on that they can improve uh, sales-wise mm. that week and just give them one thing to work on. Um, and then I also talk to them about their goals and what it is that they want to accomplish in their career. And then I also tailor some of my coaching to give them that. Yeah. So um, I'm building the I'm building loyalty doing that. And um, right now my churn is about uh, it's about 25 percent versus like standard sales job is like 33 percent. And a lot of sales jobs nice. are. They're exactly like you said. They're just like, yeah, I want to get this job and get this paycheck, and then I just want to get more money. Yeah, <laughs> which is fair. Like, I, it's like don't fault anybody for making business decisions uh, for them or their family, but it's. Uh, I think that it, it's really important to kind of build that loyalty and and trust by uh, kind of painting a vision for what the team is trying to accomplish. Yeah. And and kind of setting out that purpose that people can buy into, and um, and then also like if somebody is shit though, then like I'm probably I'm gonna know within like a week. Yeah, you're you're gonna catch on pretty quickly when they're like not not yeah. very good because like uh, a problem that I had with sales jobs is they focus so much because I've had a couple and they focus so much on the numbers like the numbers is such a massive part and i'm not too much of a numbers person and it's like if this number it goes down it's like yo there's something wrong with you kind of thing so it's like uh i felt like i didn't it didn't resonate with me like as a career path like it didn't resonate with me yeah, yeah. and it's very it's very uh well, you're a fucking failure then. <laughs> maybe, maybe, I, maybe this is why I'm doing YouTube. I'm like, yo, like none of these jobs are working for me. So, yeah. so I started designing shit, and I'm just like, yo, this is better. Like, no numbers, just. Um, there's the. You no, know, it's it's sales isn't for everybody, and and being the like, and and I get the quota. And the pressure of the quota. Yeah, the quota. That's, and that's the and managing pressure is its own part of the job. And and being able to... And that's always something that... Especially on the bad days, like if the team as a whole had a bad day, I always, always like... I make it... Like I let everybody know. Like I set like clear expectations for what I need from them. But also that I don't make it too much about the numbers i make it more about their process and how it is that they're handling everything yeah i think so it's like i'm putting like i think that applying pressure like knowing when to apply pressure and then take pressure off as a leader or manager is really i get like it comes down to just emotional intelligence and knowing how the team is feeling or how each individual 
is is feeling because think about how many fucking bullshit managers or bosses that people have had yeah i mean i don't know if you've heard some of my stories but i've had some pretty shitty managers i would say most managers i've had in general have been really good but i've had some terrible ones that like scarred me and it makes you not want to put like a good effort in your work yeah. you don't want to put like your heart and soul in the work it makes you kind of just like you just want the paycheck and you don't care about anything else yeah exactly yeah. exactly so. and and that's really important uh for any kind any leader or business person to understand and have that like emotional intelligence to know yeah like um to just be able to kind of pulse where their team is feeling and, I, and not just that's true as a coworker. It's true as like it's true in any kind of team environment. Is having that emotional intelligence and just like don't be a fucking idiot. Yeah. <laughs> like so, you got to have a lot of empathy with your every single teammate. That yeah. You have like you got to know where they're at emotional wise, where they're at work wise. You see their numbers. You see like if they're just having a shitty day, um, how do you tell the difference between? Okay, this person just, I don't know, divorced their wife or divorced their husband and they're just having a shitty day or they're going to have a shitty week because you know what's going on in their lives versus like uh, figuring out, I guess, um, and I know in sales they call it like an anchor. It's like, how do you kind of, uh, what's your anchor? It's like, what's the thing that you can always focus on that's always going to bring you, like make you on point with stuff? So I guess it's like, how do you figure out the difference between uh, like, okay, you know, that person's just being a piece of shit now and, you know, maybe we're going to have to let them go versus, no, this person's having a bad week because of what they're going through. Like, do you connect with them enough that you find find that kind of information out or you, you find like your coworkers tend to be like not as open about it's, their lives? Usually... um. It's, it would be weird to do this as like like a peer to peer. Like it's like if you're like if you're not their boss. Like if you were like coming at it as like okay, so culturally, guys, this is what we need. This is what we need to accomplish. Yeah. It's like if you're starting like, can you imagine if you just show up at the office one day and you just start talking about culture? <laughs> and your coworkers like, who the fuck is this guy? Why is he talking to me about uh, about culture? So yeah, like as a as a leader, it's it's easier to set the expectations and set the boundaries. And I, I set – how I've done it is I've set clear tenets that I need from everybody. Like yeah. the behaviors that like is this is what's going to make them successful and this is what's going to make them the most amount of money is mm-hmm. just following these principles. And so when they start to deviate on the, off those principles – I harp – like I don't harp on it like every meeting. But I, if if I start to notice – that I've set that upfront expectation where it's like, okay, this is what it is that we're about. I'm not seeing this from you. So what can we do to start steering the ship? Yeah. Steering the <laughs> ship in this direction. Um, by the way, if you're an audio listener, he's moving. He has a, he has a captain hat and a sailor hat and he's, he was moving it around as if it's a fucking ship. Because <laughs> sometimes, like, uh, I, I have a few p, I have a, I have a surprising amount of listeners on like Spotify and stuff, which is pretty cool. But uh, you know, the YouTube's is the, 
is, is where it's at. Yeah, that's like, awesome, man, that you like, built this, uh, like, 20 lists, like, even just 20 subscribers is a huge deal. On on Yeah, like, uh, it is pretty, it's, dude, like, YouTube is one of those things that's, like, unforgiving. It's, like, it'll treat you like you are nothing, like you're garbage, and you just gotta, like, power through, and you just gotta keep going. I am shocked at the amount of successful YouTubers now that I see how, what it takes to, like, get there. Yeah. And I'm just like, yo, like, this is so much work. How did like, you... Yeah, sorry to interrupt. I was, no, yeah. Um, how did you, like, get into content creation and, and doing all this? Uh, I got into it before, but uh, I kind of just went off of it because I was making, like, personal development stuff. Yeah. And then eventually I just decided, you know, I went to Vancouver like a like two months ago, two months mm-hmm. and a half months ago. And uh, I was dating around and then I kind of just, everything kind of just clicked. And I was kind of like, what am I doing with my life? Like there's a lot more to it, but I was basically just realizing what am I doing with my life? Why am I not starting a show? That's like... I always told myself, like, yo, you need to start a show. You need to start a show. Yeah. The fear was that once I start, I know that I can't stop. So that was what I was afraid of, is, like, I need to start at, start at the right time. Because if I don't start at the right time and shit's not going well in certain areas of my life, I was, like, I'm just never gonna, like, uh, it was just gonna be, like, I need to start at the right time because if it's not going, things aren't going well, I know it wasn't going to be my 100% focus mm-hmm. kind of thing. But it just so happened that, yeah, once I came back, everything just clicked and I was like, dude, you, you gotta, you gotta start right just now. Just do it. And, uh, it's, it's very surreal, but it's like, I know, like, even when I first met you, um, even like a couple, what was it? How, how long has it been? Like five years ago, maybe? Yeah, something like that. Like you've always been into the personal development stuff. You've always been into like improving yourself on a sales level. You've all been reading lots of books, yeah. investment books, sales books, personal development books. So even me and some of the boys like uh, were like, yo, Scott's going to go places. You know, <laughs> we're like, Scott's going to go places. And then at some point... I'm just like talking to you and you were like, yeah, something, something. And I'm managing like this amount of people and this and that. And I was just like, wait, what? <laughs> like, when did this happen? It was almost like there was a jump where I just didn't talk to you for a while. And then all of a sudden you're like managing all these people. You're making really good money. And it's like, uh, it's really cool to see like the person that it's like, you, you kind of see where the, you think they're going to go and, seeing you actually going there is really fucking cool because it makes me it makes you kind of makes me on a, on a more selfish level it makes me like trust myself more that's like hey maybe i can like i can read people pretty well mm-hmm. like when i see someone it's like okay this person's not gonna go anywhere and then they don't go anywhere i'm like yeah i'm not i'm not surprised and seeing you and it's like yeah this guy's gonna go to really amazing places and seeing you go there it's like it's pretty incredible I don't like, handle compliments well. So, <laughs> so this is, I mean, thank you. I appreciate that. Like, like, now it's like, I don't know what to say. Like this stuff is cool, but like I kind of just started and I want to see where things go and I'm still exploring. One time, I, you know, the table horizontal. One time the table is vertical. One time the mic. Overthinking mics, out of 10. <laughs> one time the mic's 
sound like shit. What angle do I need the microphone? Should it be at a 74 degree angle or should it be at a 63 degree angle? I don't know. Yeah, just like shit like that. And some stuff does matter. Like I'm surprised. I'm learning like a lot about audio and it's like some stuff doesn't matter as much. Uh, but yeah, it's like, uh, it's just really cool to see you like progress throughout this whole thing. And, uh, what kind of got you, what kind of got you like down in this particular path of having your own sales team? Like, when did this start? Uh, it it started when I was 18 years old and I just graduated high school and I, I, I went to uh, I went to private school and and I got accepted to St. Mary's University in Halifax and I was like eh, I'm just for business yeah I was like I'm just gonna wait for a year is that like a good university or like it's like a okay? frat fucking oh. it's like a frat university with um, I mean I'm sure it's the education is good um, I've never been I never even went to the campus so my opinion probably is <laughs> has like no credence at all all right uh, but. From what I've heard is it's very much a party school, and that's why I was 18 and I wanted to go there. Yeah, <laughs> to, I want to go there too. If I, some, was it pretty close to where you lived? Yeah, it was all... Well, or was it far? No, it was in Halifax. So, um, But I went to... Yeah. So I went to private school in New Brunswick, and the uh, it was very much like a prep school, like a university prep school. Like everything that they did was to prepare you to go to university. And I wasn't even sure if I really wanted to go. I just did. I just went through the motions of that process of, um, I don't know what it, like, I've always had this, like, I've always wanted to invent things and, like, solve problems and try to figure out, like, what's the biggest scale problem that I can solve, that I can make money from? And, um, and so after graduating university, I remember, I got a job offer working at like uh, tip top tailors in uh, Plaster Orleans. Yeah. And then uh, like, it, yeah, like I had the offer to start working there. It was like an hourly, it was an hourly job and uh, it was an hourly plus commission. But then I went to this, I went to this door to door. I went to this other job interview for door to door sales. And going in there, they, they told me like, this is what it is. Like, it was like, it's pretty standard interview. So they're like, they gave me an offer too. It's like, oh, oh, by the way, it's all on commission. This is what it is. Um, and then they, they said, come to this other, uh, come to this orientation. And then they were talking about how if, uh, if you close this amount, you can make $2,500 a week. If you yeah. do this, and I was like, "What? Yeah, <laughs> I can like do. Another... I can make how much? Yeah." And it, then uh, I was like, "Well, fuck, sign me up." And so I was like, "Fuck this hourly job. I want to work. I want to do this." Yeah. And um, so I bet on myself and failed miserably. Like I absolute, I was absolute shit. Like just probably like the worst salesperson you could ever meet. Like stuttering, fumbling over your words. Um, you were 18 though, right? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Even chick 18 year olds, female 18 year olds, male 18 year olds, they all fumble <laughs> on their words. <laughs> I noticed there's not much of a difference. Yeah. Between. It was, it was yeah. terrible. Like yeah. I was the, I was absolute shit. So I did that for two years, but I made, like, I was actually embarrassed about my tax returns. Like I think I made, 
from by from when I was 18 to about 22, I averaged I think making like 1500 bucks a year. Holy shit. Yeah. 1500 a year? Yeah. Did you have like another job or did you live with your parents? I live at home. Yeah. How much is that per month? Is that like what is it? 150, uh, 120? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Holy shit. Yeah, exactly. So you didn't pay any taxes, at least. Um, no, I didn't. I, the government gave me money because I was so broke. Like, the tax credit. Like, it's not like I was applying for welfare or anything, but they gave me the GST and low-income credit, and I was like, fuck, man, this is shit. Like, Jesus Christ. Um, and throughout that time, like, I always had, like, a lot of doubt whether or not, like, I could actually, like, succeed at sales and whether or not I could actually pull it off. And it wasn't until I was, like, 23, 22, 23 until I started, like, actually putting it together. And uh, yeah. and having yeah. success, um, man, that was when I was. Uh, that's when I was managing a security company. Um, well, actually, so I did actually get another job. And the and when I was doing insurance, I was also I started working in security as well. Okay, so that was like your part time job, kind of. Yeah, thing? yeah, yeah. Because I was like, I can't make fucking fifteen hundred bucks a year. <laughs> yeah. It's embarrassing. I remember with the security job, like I, I'm open to talking about this. I remember at one point in my life, I was struggling a lot with money, like big time, like so much that even groceries was like tough. Like I remember I was going to buy some groceries uh, at, during that time. And it was like it, my card kept getting declined and I had to like return stuff. And then it was like, and then eventually my card went through mm-hmm. and I was like, fuck man, like this is, this is tough. I think I was like unemployed plus I had a bunch of credit card debt and shit like that. And, um, I, I did, uh, I, you, you texted me and you, you texted me or I texted you or something. And you were, there was like some sort of position, uh, for like some gig job that was like a one-time thing. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Like, I'm down for whatever, man. And in my head, I'm like, yo, I'm really desperate for, like, anything. And I was like, yo, a guy my size taking a security job is so bizarre. <laughs> but it's like, okay, fuck it. Like, let's just do it. And then I ended up going to the to the place. And I was so fucking scared. <laughs> I was terrified. Because the place that I went to was some diner in, like, the middle of nowhere. And it was so sketchy. <laughs> I legit thought I was going to get robbed. Like, genuinely thought I was going to get robbed. And I go in, and then there's these two black dudes that are inside, and they're, like, the owners. Yeah. And they were actually pretty chill. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Like, uh, they're actually nice. And I'm, like, looking around, and I'm like, and I'm just realizing, oh, this is the spot. I don't think I'm going to get robbed. This is good. And eventually, I end up getting a coworker, And I was like, oh, so there was, like, two of us. So it's, like, me and another guy. I'm like, yo, this is sick. But man, once basically what the, the place was, it was like this diner that turned into an after party. After hours. After yeah, hours. Yeah, I remember that. And I remember that. I didn't remember, though, that that you actually helped me out with that. Yeah. Oh, OK. You don't, you don't remember the spot, though? I don't remember the spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a, that was a nice little. Uh, yeah, that was a nice little um, side hustle. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the. Uh, yeah, those after hours parties. There was actually one time that uh, it reminds me of, at the security company. We had, I don't know if I ever told you this story, but 
there was this one uh, there was this one venue that it was on the it was at the church mm. on uh, it was at the church just off of Laurier next to Ottawa U and in this little church venue like in the basement yeah the uh, there was this after hours organizer who contacted me for guards for bouncers and uh, so he showed up and we we I had the five people and um, the problem is is I was only able to find like one person that was like really big yeah. And I was maybe like 180 pounds. Like I'm not like, I'm not like this. I'm not an oppo- imposing figure. Um, and uh, the biggest, I only had one person that was over six three and over 200 pounds mm. helping me out at this venue. And was it uh, like a nightclub kind of thing? Or? Yeah. Well, okay. it was more like an after hours party. And so okay. the the uh, the people though that were coming in were like like faces tattooed and and yeah. <laughs> That's usually there was, the uh, hours Yeah, the owner, the the organizer was like, uh, "Drugs are fine, just <laughs> no weapons." It's like that kind of vibe, and so I was like, "We're searching, we're searching girls' bags," and it's like they have the. There's one chick that had like an eight ball, and it's like, "Oh my god!" And then there was this one gentleman. He kept coming, he kept going in and out, in and out, in and out, and then we had to search all the guys, obviously. Yeah, and uh, he's like, "Relax, bro, relax." Yeah. I love my strap in the car. It's like, Jesus you don't need to keep Christ. searching me. And I'm like, I really wish she didn't tell me that. Jesus <laughs> Christ. They don't realize that it's like, you're. they're not dealing with professional, like, five-year guards or some shit that have been doing it a long-ass time. It's like, yo, I just started, or it's been a few months, or maybe even a couple of years, or like a year tops at most for most people. And they say shit like this, man. It's like... So fucking scary. Like, even with my experience at the diner, like, at one point, the guy was, like, uh, the place was starting to get crowded. And the guy was, like, oh, see these guys? And it was, like, a bunch of people in, like, escalades and shit like that. And he's, like, oh, see these guys coming out of that? So just make sh- to pat them down really well. Like, make sure they don't have any knives or guns. Because sometimes they bring that. And I'm just, like, sometimes... Sometimes they have a knife or a gun. And I'm just like, what the fuck is this shit? And I'm like, yo, if this guy tells me, don't touch me, bro. I'm like, okay. I'm just going to be like, okay. I patted them down, all of them. They were actually pretty nice, surprisingly. And uh, they didn't seem like they had any guns or knives. But, dude, that shit is fucking scary. Yeah, like it was. someone telling you this it shit. It was very nerve. That, that night was probably the most stressful $200 that I've ever made. <laughs> and then... That was actually a pretty defining moment for me is like like thinking. Um, I remember needing a drink after. Uh, I remember needing a drink and smoking a joint after uh, after that that night because I could not. Um, yeah, it was like uh, this is not for me. Yeah, I feel like some places being a guard or a bouncer is like super chill. Most people are pretty nice. And then you have some experiences, some places that are like that, like the after hours crowd. It's just, it's, it's freaky. It's like scary. Yeah. You don't want to, cause you're just like, yo, one day it's, it's a matter of time. It's just yeah. like, if I do this all the time, it's a matter of time. Someone's going to stab me. Someone's going to punch me in the face at the least punch me in the face. Someone's going to fucking shoot me or something. I mean, maybe in Ottawa, like, you know, we're a little bit more relaxed, relaxed with that stuff, but it's basically a matter of time where some problem, some violence, like, uh, yeah, is going to happen. Can you imagine doing that job in, like, New York or 
Chicago yeah. or any any like big market where yeah even uh, Toronto would be like it's kind of scary yeah like I feel like any place that's like massive like we're lucky we have a lot of government workers here and shit like that so it's a little bit more safe but uh well it's much more safe yeah but uh in some places even like Toronto I've heard some crazy stories that like just wouldn't happen in a city like this yeah it's pretty uh yeah fuck security man i was like respect to the people that do that job um it's a it's a very it's it's weird because it's very um i like it's just when i say fuck security it's just not for me like i'm not um don't mean any disrespect to people that work in that in that field or that have that position like it's so like it's really it goes it's very quiet for a long period of time and then if there's a situation, like there's been times where nothing happens and then I almost fight five people or um, yeah. or there's – it made me much better at managing conflict than being able to have tough conversations with people. Yeah. But um, I would never – I never want to do that job again. Yeah. And then it's, uh, it's a pretty scary job. Uh, one of the worst jobs I've had was not – didn't involve violence. It just involved calling people. And trying to get them to sign up for surveys, like fill out surveys. And it's like, dude, no one wants to do that. No one gets a call and looks forward to a survey call. It's like, oh, man, I can't wait. I haven't gotten a call from the survey people in a while. You know, yeah. It's like, no, it, no one wants that. But they, uh, but, you know, that was a job and it was my first job ever. First time I, I got, that was when I learned about taxes. Because I was like, they told me they were going to pay me like, I think it was like $11 an hour at the time. And then I got my my paycheck and I was like, this is not $11 an hour. Where's the rest of it? Where's the rest of my money? And, That's uh, so funny. Yeah. I didn't my understand. buddy from Egypt had that same reaction. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, so I'm getting this amount on my paycheck. This does not equal my salary over the course of a year. Yeah. Literally, that's how I felt. I was like, what the fuck? Where is the rest of it? It's so weird. It's so weird. Even the first time you buy something and it's like $2.99 and then it's like $3.20. You're just like, it it said $2.99. I don't understand. Like, I didn't grow up with this. Like, now they have taxes. Now it's a little bit different. But I didn't grow up with taxes. So it's just bizarre that you're like, in the contract. In the contract that I signed, you said you're going to pay me $11 an hour. Where's my money? Where's my fucking money? Yeah, that's that's how it feels. You just feel like someone stole it from you. But yeah, like... Thanks, Trudeau. <laughs> it's all his fault. It's all, it's all the queen's fault. And your fault. majesty, yeah. Your, your majesty and Trudeau. But yeah, like uh, the... The first time... Uh, yeah, that was my first job with the with the surveys thing. And it's like... It was kind of weird because I would call people and I would be like, oh, are you more of a Democrat or, or a Republican? Because I would call people in the U.S. Or are you an independent or blah, blah, blah. And surprisingly, a lot of people would say independent. And then I would say, okay. And then the question after that would be, okay, but do you lean Democrat or do you lean Republican? And they're like, I just told you I'm independent. Like, I'm in the middle. I don't lean either. And I'm just like, there's no other choice. <laughs> it's like two bullet points. It's like two choices. Like, it's either Republican or, or Democrat. So basically, 
every person had to answer that they lean Democrat or lean Republican, even if it wasn't true. And it made me rethink whenever I see surveys about like 70% of people in, I don't know, Texas are Republicans. I'm like, is it though? You know, is it really 70% though? Or is it like they ju- they're just saying that? And how did they get their data? How many people do they have? What's their sample so size? So how does it feel, Marwan, to be part of the fake news establishment? You <laughs> yeah. have been part of the fake news establishment. Exactly. I'm like <laughs> literally pushing the fake news. Like it was crazy because when I, when I quit that job and I was thinking about like my experiences and the weird questions I would ask people, it would just be like, yo, like, there, this some of this data is legit fake, like some of it is is like um, I don't. It's like someone has an agenda, and they want to be like everyone needs to either be a Democrat or Republican or like liberal or conservative, or whatever it is. Even if it's like no, that's not the reality. That's not yeah. the case, and it's like pretty scary that it's that there's all these people. There's all this data. Like if you just do some Google searching, you know, it's like oh, what's what's the uh, if you do some Google search and look up certain uh, studies, like, for example, caffeine is a big one, like coffee. It's like, oh, you're allowed to have like five cups of coffee a day. Try having five <laughs> cups of coffee a day. Okay. If yeah. that doesn't fuck you up, there's something wrong with you or you're so desensitized to caffeine. Because I know for a fact that some people do like drink five cups of coffee or whatever. Yeah. But those people are like super desensitized and it's not good to have that much caffeine in you but there's all these studies that you can find online that says that shit and it's like very bizarre like it's weird because you're just like what do we do about this when you look at something and you know it's fake yeah like it's it's on there and everyone's sourcing it so what do you what do you do do you just like you're just you tell your friends no bro this is fake and they're like yo it's on ny times or some shit and it's like it's on uh, Fox News, but are you liberal? <laughs> yeah. It's like yo, it's on Fox News. It's like you question that. It's like, oh, bro, you're liberal. Yeah. It's like, uh, but yeah, it's. Uh, it, I've always noticed you're like uh, the kind of person that's you're very polished at stuff. Like even at stuff. At stuff. Like it's like oh, at, you're rather at, polished at yeah. things and stuff. <laughs> like even just the way you look. Like you always look sharp. Thank you. You always look good. But that's the thing. You always look good. You always look sharp. Most of the time, at least. And yeah. and even like uh, like whenever we go out with the guys and stuff, you always dress sharp, even regardless of what the event is. It's quite the transition. <laughs> whether whether we're going out like indoors. Yeah. Or we're going out like um, like uh, outdoors. Wait, wait, going out <laughs> indoors? <laughs> What? Yo, the water's hitting me hard. <laughs> it's like we're both fucking hot. I promise we're sober. <laughs> so, yo, what's in this shit? <laughs> going out indoors. Oh, <laughs> so, so yeah, I'm just gonna skip all that. I'm saying <laughs> you, you're and a- you said it multiple <laughs> times. Yeah, I said it like like three times or some shit. Like this, like this is a normal. <laughs> yeah, you know when you go. 
But yeah. It's like we're so we're going outside. But when we're we go outside, in- we're going somewhere, but we're going indoors. Like the mall or you know, a condo or something. <laughs> but yeah. Um That's that's fucking <laughs> Did you go you said you went to a school that's like prepares you for university. Yeah. Doesn't every school prepare you for university what's the difference with that it was like um it was like an ib school like international baccalaureate whatever that means oh okay my brother yeah. took that we had that in school but it was like optional yeah so it so. was um it's very it's like giving you the best shot and not just preparing you for university but making sure that you succeed in university so yeah. it's like it gives you the the preparatory like courses and it gives you a heavier workload so you're like more ready to handle uh university okay so they intentionally give you heavier workload yeah okay because like my my brother went through that when he was in in our high school and it's like i had the option of taking that but i wanted to be like uh, a lazy bitch just like (laughs) the rest of my friends because i noticed the people that didn't take that got to have fun Whereas the people that didn't take that, whereas the people that did take that, like, uh, uh, were like studying a lot because <laughs> it's like tough. But it's like, if, if you think about it, if school doesn't prepare you for university and you have to take this like extra thing to prepare you for university, then what's the point of school if it doesn't do its job of preparing you for university? <laughs> That's uh, it's failure of the education system. I don't know. Yeah. I don't make these decisions. I couldn't, no. I couldn't tell you. Um, it was, uh, I did it in grade 11 and then grade 12, I was like, fuck this. I'm not doing this anymore. Oh, you, so you did it for one year and yeah. then you were like, it's a bit much. Yeah. I was not down to, uh, yeah, I was not down to do, uh, I was not down to do it. Um, just cause it was like, yeah, it's too much work. I'd rather just smoke cigarettes and get high yeah (laughs) and not uh but it is school was never really my strength like i was never really and i was always like a like i don't know sometimes like when i decided to apply myself i did good like i was an a student but that was the exception (laughs) yeah (laughs) that was the exception to the rule like i was mostly for i was for the most part a c student yeah yeah i would say i'm I'm liking the cb Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, why? Why didn't you give a shit about school? Like, was it your teachers sucked? Because I had some pretty shitty teachers that I didn't pay attention to. I was just saying, it was like I couldn't be bothered. Like, I wasn't curious about it, or I wasn't interested in it. Mm. So I never really. Uh, like geography was cool. I like that. History was cool. I like that. Um, math. I math was I was was okay until like grade eleven, where I was like fuck this i remember uh <laughs> so i actually went to i went to high school here in ottawa and then i just like after grade grade 10 math like i just coasted yeah and then in grade 11 that was like when shit that i needed to really pay attention to in grade 10 um was like when you need to start using it and then i just like got high all the time and, <laughs> and failed at the class like i failed a class so uh, and even though I had an amazing teacher, I still like, yeah. just uh, didn't give a shit about it and failing most of my classes and uh, 
was this... getting uh, getting in trouble at school, and my parents were like, "I'm gonna ship you away to boarding school." That's where the polish comes from. Yeah, that makes sense actually. Okay, how long were you in boarding school for? Two years. Okay, two years. How old were you? Like sixteen? Yeah. Is... No, I was. Uh, so I, they made me redo grade eleven because my grades weren't good enough to do grade yeah. twelve there. Yeah. So I. Um, yeah, so I failed grade 11, had to do that shit again, and I, was, I think I was like 17. Uh, yeah, I was like 17, and then, then um, yeah, and then I was like 18 in grade 12, and uh, yeah, it was like, I, I grew up not, I grew up pretty middle class, but the neighborhood that I grew up in was pretty... Uh, all my friends are pretty blue collar and we got into a lot of uh, childhood shenanigans and trouble. So yeah. I've had the fortune of seeing like kind of both sides of the coin of like um, rich white people prep school and then yeah. um, blue collar, uh, like a blue collar, largely. Uh, um, yeah, blue collar and then growing up in largely a, a immigrant or a minority environment. So what do you find the differences both sides, like personality-wise, in terms of the people that you were with? Like, um, were blue-collar workers just like, will blue-collar people, like community, is more likely to get into like shenanigans and be pieces of shit kind of thing? Or I wouldn't, well, it's like, or, I don't know. I can't speak for everybody, but yeah, my friend group. But just your experience. My, my yeah. friend group, yeah, we definitely uh, yeah. we definitely got into that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, but... Uh, the, it, the really the the two different mindsets was like one placed a lot more of a premium on education and the other placed a lot more on like what makes money right now and so it kind of gave me a good experience of like focusing on okay and continuing to educate improve myself read and then also continue just like focus on um focus on what makes money right now like what yeah. produces sales for example like that's like the direct correlation between that experience and my day to day is okay. What makes sales happen today? How do we yeah? How do we drive business right now? That's pretty interesting. So you, so you learned that in the which one did you learn that in the blue collar blue collar so, okay. environment? Yeah, they learned more about the now of like what's what's yeah. It was more right like mo like 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 get your money. Um, yeah. Yeah, get your money right now. Like, take care of business. Do do what it takes to, uh, yeah, do what it takes to take care of yourself and your family. Okay, so in the community is there. You found there were more. Was there more of a hustle mentality? Yeah, in that kind of place. Yeah, and then yeah. Uh, then in the flip side of boarding school was more like educate yourself, go to university, go through the traditional path. Um, and, but still placing a premium on like education and I still realize like how important that is. Yeah. But, uh, just like going to school or getting a university degree. I'm not sure. I mean, I still haven't closed the door on it, but, uh, you might go back to university. Yeah. I might decide that I want to be a, a fucking engineer or <laughs> I don't know. You really, you might, you might do that like at some point, like, cause I always found, uh, I've, I've had this conversation in my previous podcast, but like university if you have a specific plan like you're getting a degree in something because you know what that where it's going to take you then it makes sense otherwise it's like 
it's so much money and it's kind of pointless yeah. if you don't have a plan. Yeah, the point, I guess <clears throat> I've always had this dream of innovating and inventing and making some, like making shit. Um, and so. Like in what space making stuff? Like a factory, like some kind of electromechanical or electro like manufacturing or some like 3D printing or something like that. I don't know. Oh, I've always that wanted be cool. to. Uh, yeah, I've always like my career path has always has always been what we're doing right now in real estate with the call center. Continue focusing on that. Mm. Uh, continue growing that. Eventually sell, and then uh, the next the next thing or the next project is like I know it's kind of taboo to. Uh, I'm gonna go on a bit of a tangent here, but I know it's kind of a taboo thing to like talk a a big game or like talk about goals or talk about what it is that you're trying to accomplish but i'm pretty good at i just feel like people don't like put things out there because they their fear of judgment or fear of failure or they they there's a taboo or cliche about not talking a big game well it's like michael jordan talked a big game yeah <laughs> so i i think that uh yeah the plan is looping back to what i'm saying is like plan is continue doing what we're doing on the call center um eventually uh yeah eventually like the next plan is to get the the next phase is to get the real estate license so we can start making money on actual transactions that happen that we're Mm. contributing to uh for our customers like the getting paid commission um and then um and then from there scale that uh get to a point where we can exit and then focus on I don't know, going back to school, becoming an engineer, then making factories or I don't know, something. Yeah. Just making something cool that um, solves a, a problem, whether it's climate change or um, solves the fact that in Canada, we seem to only have mining companies and oil companies <laughs> and we don't really have many manufacturers anymore. Yeah. Um, solving some kind of problem like uh, like that is, is the plan. Because with talking a big game, that kind of stuff. I find personally for me, I try to not allow myself to talk big game because I find it doesn't motivate me to talk about it. I try to like not say anything and showcase it with action because I find like, uh, I, I remember at one point my mom got back into school and she was telling me about what she is planning on doing. And they were pretty massive, big things that she wanted to do after she would get out. And as soon as she told me what she wanted to do, I was like, man, I feel like you're telling everybody. And because I feel like you're telling everybody that this is what you want to do, you're not going to be able to do it. Because it's almost like if you tell people what you're going to do, you get the validation that they're like, oh, wow, that's so cool. That's so cool that you're going to do that. You know what I mean? So you get the validation. So you feel like, okay, I don't need to do that anymore. I already got the validation. For me, it's so that, like, it, yeah. for me, it has the opposite effect. It's like, now that I've come on Marwan's t- podcast and I've <laughs> talked about it, I need to fucking do it. I hope so. <laughs> it's like, yeah. now I it's like, so. now it's, it's, um, it's a way that I put, it, it's like. To put pressure. Like pushing, that. putting pressure on myself where it's like, okay, now I'm accountable. Um, like I'm a, now I'm accountable to this because I fucking talked about it. It's like, this is what we're doing. And then if I'm not doing the actions to live up to that, then it's like, then, then I get uncomfortable looking at the mirror. Yeah. And that's motivating. So, so it works, it works well for you then. 
yeah to t- to talk about it yeah and it's like for me it's like i don't tell i don't share it with everybody and i, I like i don't share like my goals with everybody and, or um what it is that i'm planning on doing it's usually just close friends or, or family um because hmm. like for the most part it's like outside of like close friends or family i don't really give a shit about other people's yeah. opinion or care about like what we're doing or what we're planning on doing um but um yeah, yeah that's that's one of the things with youtube is even if you don't give a shit about what people think they'll still let you know <laughs> yeah they'll still dislike your video yeah and you don't know why yeah. i have videos that like have dislikes and there's no comments <laughs> <laughs> They'll just dislike it. <laughs> and there's like two comments and they're positive. And I'm like, wait, who dislike this? Why do you have any feedback? Nothing. No. They'll just watch it. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. Thumbs down. And they just leave. Goodbye. And I have like, a, not a lot, but I have a few like that. And they're so, it's so weird. It's a, it's a weird thing. So maybe, I don't know, if you, if you ever would get into content creation, I think that would be like an interesting experience for you to be like, you know, yo, I don't give a shit about what people think. But then you have all these like, I don't know, Joe TV 69 underscore Peter Bread yeah. tells you that you're a piece of shit. <laughs> you know, yeah. and you're just like, oh, wow. Um, I don't know. I mean, I want to make this person like me kind of. I want to be like, why do you feel like I'm a piece Sometimes of shit? Sometimes I do like if... um the one thing that though that I remember, man, like I, there's sometimes where people will send me an email because um, we do like for our sales, we do a lot of like outbound email and uh, and sometimes like people to fucking email me back and say like I'm a fraud scam piece of shit. And that upsets me. <laughs> like I get yeah. that pisses me off like that. That fucking frustrates me and I'll, I'll catch myself like in an arguments with those people. Oh, do you respond to them? Sometimes. Yeah. Um, I don't respond to any yeah, so maybe I do give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> I respond none. Like I, I have sometimes an urge, but I don't. I'm just like, if it's not neutral or positive, there's no point in responding or constructive criticism. So neutral, positive, constructive criticism, I'll respond to that. If it's negative, I'll either remove it or if it's like vaguely negative, I'll leave it. Yeah. Uh, but if it's like, I don't know, man, like I don't know what it is, but some people have a thing for getting into arguments with strangers. I never got that, man. man I don't get that. It's uh What's what makes you want to respond to someone that you've never met and you don't know? Usually it's like just the the liar one and the fraud one triggers me. Like I get upset about that. Most time it's like those that's probably the only one that I'll like that I'll actually upset me. And sometimes I'll call them, <laughs> like, like if they if they have their their cell phone and their email or their direct their, line, I'll call signature. them and I'll be like, so I'm like, so how does me emailing you make me a fraud or a liar? Like, what? <laughs> really? Yeah. Can you tell me those conversations are recorded? Yes. I would love to listen. to Yeah, those. yeah, they 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 are they are. I can send you one. What what are see, they like? See if I can. Uh, yeah, dude, that sounds hilarious. Sometimes, like, I'll get them to come around because I'll just objection handle it and be like, so, like, I'll box them in where it's like, okay, so, um, have you looked at our corporation number on, uh, like, on the Canadian business registry? Oh no. Okay, so how are we fraud? Okay, well, here's our business. Yeah. So, could you explain? 
And then that usually is like, okay. Like I remember one, uh, one gentleman, he was in Newfoundland and he, uh, I had a conversation with him and he's like, oh, the fact that you called me is makes me know that like that speaks. He, and it's like, we actually had like a reconciliation or <laughs> it was like a mm-hmm. good moment that, um, like he's like, uh, he basically called like, yeah, he, he said, oh, you're fucking scam or some shit like that. And I called him and he's like, oh, the fact that you called me um, is, uh, wow, is uh, I pre he's like, I appreciate the call, but like, don't fucking solicit me anymore. <laughs> oh, OK. This is uh, the conversation. Jeez. Have you ever turned those guys around or t- those people around like to a sale or? I'm trying to think. I think that there's. Because I feel like it's a waste of time to be honest. I think that there's maybe one time that I've been able to, um, that I've turned it into like a meeting, but I'd remember if I t- closed, if I turned it into a deal, I would definitely remember that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because like, it sounds like you want to prove something to yourself in a way that it's like you're calling them. It's cool that you're, well, you have the balls to do it to begin with, but it's like, why do you feel the need to to prove that it's like, hey, no, we're legit, we're doing really well, or yeah, I just or why I not do it? It's it just like it's uh, it just fucking frustrates me. Like I, I don't like being put in that category. Like it's like I just don't want any. I don't want um, like anybody's opinion. It's like how like where do you come off calling us X when you've never even used our service before? Like how yeah. is it that like how is it that and and it's not just like me like i want them to i almost want to convince them of like look motherfucker um (laughs) okay have you ever worked in a fraud analyst capacity have you ever worked in a risk analyst capacity okay no you haven't okay so here's what you so this is what actually risk analysts do for fraud and detection so here is the business registry um, and here's other business registries that you can look at in case you're suspicious. So yeah. is usually like is usually my response. It, it's just that the this like it's like, dude, I'm I guess what make what fucking grinds my gears about it so much is that look, man, we're trying to make a living here. Yeah. Like you're trying to make a living and we sell the salespeople. Like, how do you not have the empathy of <laughs> like we literally sell to real estate brokers and, and real estate agents for the most yeah. part? So it's like, how do you have the empathy or not have the empathy to say, um, to say, hey, uh, like, okay, this is a salesperson. Like, we're actually, <laughs> we're, we're just, we're, we're not working. trying to steal something. We're trying to sell you something. <laughs> it's like they're working. It's like they're yeah. doing their job. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, I feel that way with stand-up. I find a lot of people don't take stand-up uh, well, not a lot, actually. So I find some people don't take stand-up seriously in the way that, it, as a, as an audience member, like they feel that it's okay to heckle. It's okay to interrupt. And it's like, no, it isn't. You're just interrupting a performance. Imagine if a, if a Shakespeare play is going on. Would you just be like, suck my dick or some shit like that? Yeah. Like, would you just say that randomly? No, you wouldn't. And there is this... Something about what I know, what I'm kind of putting things together now is like there's something about saying how you what you think about things and in any sort of platform invites people to say something back. Yeah. And it's like even if it's stand up, it's like, okay, you're kind of 
saying your opinion in some way and then you make a joke about something in society some something about your life something about like uh, yeah basically something about how people think or some some sort of experience you've had and then someone kind of feels invited to say something back sometimes and then in because when i'm on youtube like and i'm making videos and i'm a lot of it is like you know it's like humor opinion commentary and it's what i think of something and it invites people to be like nah, 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 duh, 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 i'm in, i'm enjoying this game fuck you or some shit like that like it invites people to be like no you're wrong um or like oh there's something wrong with what you just said kind of thing and like in YouTube, I kind of get it. I kind of see the discussion aspect of it. Yeah. Because it's a comment section. I literally ask people, hey, what are your thoughts on this? But sometimes people feel opinionated to just like uh, try to be negative about it. And but even though I'm saying this stuff about YouTube, by the way, like most of my comments are positive. Yeah. But occasionally I'll get, I'll get those. <clears throat> but with stand-up, it's like you're legitimately... It's like imagine I'm recording a video... And halfway through the video, someone knocks on my door and like tells me, I'm, I'm listening to what you're saying. And it's like, I disagree with you because of yeah. these reasons. That's what it feels like with stand-up. It's like, you're, I'm doing a bit, I'm doing a set. And then you're interrupting. And it's like, yo, what are you doing? And yeah. a lo- I, I would say like 99% of the time, except one occasion, when I've talked to those people, they would apologize immediately. They would just say, oh, by the way, sorry for interrupting. Oh, by the way, sorry for heckling. I know I shouldn't do that. And I'm just like, wait, so people are pretty aware that they shouldn't say shit like this. Yeah. But they do it anyway. And it's the same thing with the guy guy that you emailed. And he was like, oh, you guys are a scam and fuck you. And then as soon as you called him, he was like, oh, okay, since you guys called, okay, you're legit. Just don't solicit me. It's like, why? Even Even if you guys weren't legit. He still shouldn't say it. Like, you'll go, fuck you guys or a scam. Like, just go about your business. I don't understand where that comes from. Yeah, it's uh, th- honestly, it's like the salespeople and comedians, man, like people just shit on. And, and it's like it, it, it uh, I guess it feels like I'm being that guy that wants to teach him a lesson. And um, it probably yeah. is not the it's. Yeah, it's not the best or most constructive behavior, probably. Do you still do that? Or is it... Oh, dude, I did it this week. Oh, really? <laughs> I thought... Was, well, the whole time, I thought it was like year one. No, no, I, I fucking to... did it this week. <laughs> still do Oh, man. That's yeah, funny. yeah. Like, man, the one guy, uh, I remember he, he legit, he said that. And I'm like, I did. I literally gave him all... I gave him... I give him literally the link to our page on the business registry of uh, like on the, the Canada on the Canada.gc.ca website. And, uh, and then um, he, he doubled down on what he was saying and I tried calling him and then I, I, I tried calling him and I was like, Hey John, I just tried calling you so we could talk as men. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> Jesus, um, yeah, yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty. Uh, what's funny though is that this man he scheduled. He actually this was funny about this one is he scheduled an appointment to talk to us, and then I had a closing call where somebody where is like they're they're willing. They're, the closing call is where we're like. The deal is at the finish line, and I'm obviously going to prioritize that over something like a, a yeah. newer potential client. And then I, I emailed him and I said, "Hey, 
uh, could we reschedule? And then he emailed me back and he's like, um, he basically like that speaks volumes to about who you are and that the fact that you need, and it's like, I gave you 12 hours notice. Like I'm literally giving you an E I'm sending you, I'm letting you, I'm asking to reschedule a day before. Man, sometimes I've asked people to reschedule like half an hour before and they're so cool with it. You've given this guy 12 hours and <laughs> yeah. he's like, yeah. he's like, oh, it speaks volumes. Like, Jesus, man. Yeah. They're just, this guy, this person just doesn't have, uh, he has a lot of time or that person has a lot of time. Yeah. And it's, I, the thing that frustrates me is just like keyboard warriors to salespeople. It's like, I'm a dick to salespeople too, but usually I just tell them I'm not interested and I just hang up. Yeah. But it's like, I don't like, like, why do you, like, it just, some people feel the need to almost like degrade or like talk down to people, talk down to salespeople. And that also kind of irks me. And that's part of why I lash out or, or react yeah. the way that I do is because it's like, look, motherfucker, this behavior is not acceptable. Yeah. Do you feel like, uh, what do you get out of it in terms of like, apart from a, from a selfish standpoint of like, yeah, I proved myself to this person what do you what kind of roi is there absolutely not <laughs> but you, you still yeah, i still do it it's like cost benefit analysis it's like there's zero benefit it's like let's continue like that's, i don't know maybe funny. it's like i'm making the world different i'm making the world a better place for salespeople one asshole at a time yeah so do you just see do you see it as like a, a funny thing that you do or do you feel like there's some sort of bigger reason I feel like part of me wants I feel like it's 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 stupid to like make it a make it part of a bigger reason <laughs> but like I feel like subconsciously that's exactly what I'm doing. It's like it's part of my goal. Yeah. I'm going to be an engineer. Yeah, it's I, like we're eliminating the world of assholes. Problem solved. Jesus. Yeah, man. It's like uh I I just feel like the whole dealing with dicks online. It's like I just don't deal with them. It's like uh, what's there's a there's a term for it. It's like don't feed the trolls. Yeah. It's like don't feed the trolls. Someone will troll on my YouTube or my Facebook or on Twitter, and I'm like no feeding the trolls. Like oh they said this weird thing. I'm like okay cool. I'll just leave it. Like ignore the comment completely, and I find that works better. I remember I saw this uh, um, YouTube thread that was going on on like a video that got posted like a year ago. And there was like two people arguing back and forth for like a solid two years. And someone made a YouTube video about it where it was like, dude, these two people have legitimately been arguing for two years. And you'll see the comments (laughs) that are like two months later, this person replied and then a few weeks later this person replied and then the other person won't reply back and be like hmm i've see i see that i've proved my point or something like that <laughs> since you're so silent and then a month later the person will reply again and it'll, they'll just go back and forth and this kept going on for like a year or two and uh, there's a video about it which is fucking hilarious um this is why yeah. man like robots should take over <laughs> <laughs> Like, I don't know, man. Like, I I was talking to a buddy of mine, a couple of friends of mine today, like uh, on chat that I I don't I want I'm very pro self driving cars. Like, I want every fucking car to be self driving, a hundred percent. I want it to completely take over 
and I want the whole you driving a car to be like I don't know if the word, right word is like a leisure experience. It's like kayaking or something. Yeah, you know, it's like driving a car. We I want to get to a point in life where driving a car is like a, like a kayaking. It's like oh hey, do you want to go drive a car? Sure, like you'll go somewhere. It's like an open road, no self driving cars allowed or something, and then you get to drive your car. And it's fucking sick. But because uh, you know, there's car enthusiasts, so that there's gonna be a need for that for sure. And like at some point. But I'm worried about the whole AI taking over because so many times, even nowadays, I need to talk to a human. It's like the fucking AI chat robot or like the AI machine and like YouTube's algorithm shit. It just fucks up. And it's like, dude, I need a human being to fix this fuck up because it's like so much shit is automated and it's like. Some like I'm hoping obviously like things will get better over time, but it's like it worries me that we may get to a point where it's like if you want to fix this problem, you need to contact a human and you just can't contact a human and you just gotta gotta deal with it or something. It's like, oh your lights are permanently off. And it's like you can't do anything and you gotta get on you gotta send an email and it takes like a month to reply to you because I don't know, they just hired one person to deal with all the issues or some shit. But uh, that's what that's what I fear about the whole robots taking over is coders not coding them properly. <laughs> that's basically it. <laughs> it's like, can you imagine if they eventually like replace people and they were uh, just like there was all these bugs? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like that's like the problems that like robot civilization has to deal with. It's like, oh, fucking Johnny wasn't coded properly, <laughs> so he's a fucking psychopath. They're co- they're coding human beings and shit. <laughs> that that would be funny. There was a there was a cool game I played a while ago called Near Automata, and it's basically you play as this android, and the android's goal is to defeat like a bunch of uh, al- a bunch of aliens that invaded uh, invaded Earth or some shit. I might be getting the story wrong, but it's like kind of like that. So you're this android that that was made, created by humans. And you're trying to kill a bunch of like alien robot creatures or some shit. And the whole point is to de- you're killing all these alien robot creatures is to defend the humans. Later in the game, at some point, you find out that there are no humans anymore. And the whole and you're like, wait, if there's no humans anymore, then what the fuck's the point of the game? Like, what the fuck is the point of me defeating all these alien robots? And it's like, you've later find out it's like humans were wiped out a very long time ago. But the reason why you're being told to kill all these alien robots to defend humans is because robots need some sort of purpose. And if they don't have a purpose, it's like they can't exist. And it's like, that's why they, uh, yeah. And it's like, that's why you have this purpose of like wiping out these alien robots. And it's like, what if we have get to a point where it's like robots just continue to exist without humans like are we going to go full matrix yeah it's it's really interesting because i feel like i feel like we as a civilization don't really have a purpose like as like a collective humanity like what's our purpose like it, it doesn't really seem like we have one like it doesn't really seem like humanity has a mission other than make money and uh innovate it's like innovate technology to it's like, I feel like our goal is to solve problems, isn't it? Yeah, it's like to continue making like society better 
but I, I don't really like I guess what I mean is and I've never really thought about this idea so sorry if it comes out jumbled but we don't we've never there's not this kind of agree I guess there's not an agreed upon unifying purpose like there's not something that we all like focus on that is like okay this is what we're doing as a civilization there's yeah. like other than protecting climate change but it's like we fucking made this problem in the first place yeah we did it's a man it's a it's like a partly man-made problem yeah it's like yeah. we created a problem that we're, <laughs> we're trying to solve it. yeah then that's our purpose but we as a civilization don't have a collective goal like that we're trying to accomplish which is kind of fucked up like i mean we keep innovate like we keep making better phones we keep making like i don't know maybe it's just to have more sex but um, I felt I felt like if without societal organizations and, and and people having a purpose and education and all that, um, it would be like you see how monkeys constantly fuck all the time. We would basically be like that. We would just be fucking we like that. <laughs> <laughs> we would just be fucking all the time. Like it would just be we want food and we want to fuck, and that would be our entire life. Is basically you, you're breeding and you're eating food to survive. Yeah. And that, and I think the first humans were basically like that. And eventually they got to a point where it's like, oh, this guy is smart. He invented a stick or something. He like got a t- <laughs> He's going <stick>. places. <laughs> he's going, this guy. The next Elon, he's going places. This guy created like a throwing rock shit contraption. <laughs> and it's like, that's when we slowly kind of went from there. But the first set of humans probably just were fucking horn dogs and we're like monkeys now. It's like they constantly wanted to. Yeah. Fuck. I guess it's like, we, I mean, everybody, we, everybody, like, I don't know though. How many individual, I mean, everybody has a career. Um, everybody has a career, but it's, it's, it's weird. Like, I feel like everybody is kind of out for themselves and there's not a, um, and it's like, I don't sound like a fucking communist. <laughs> no, it's like, I, I kind of get what he mean. But yeah. the, the way that I always saw it was like, well, it wasn't like the way I always saw it. It's just the way I, the, I, what, how, what I've realized over the past few years was just like, yo, what the fuck's the point? Like the whole thing is pointless. Like there's no, there's no point in the grand scheme of things. Like in the grand scheme of things, the, our existence is completely pointless but in a smaller scale, in a much, much smaller scale, like tiny, tiny scale, you start thinking about yourself, start thinking about your friends, your family, the people around you. That's when you see purpose. That's when you're like, oh, I can, I can find some sort of purpose to provide for, you know, my family or like to have a kick-ass time to my friend, with my friends and provide value. And you're like, on a smaller scale, I see purpose, but you're right, like, as a collective, I feel like it's pointless. Like yeah. the whole thing. And I, I, I and I don't that and the what's really important about what Elon's doing is that he's has like this really macro level and huge purpose is to push humanity forward. And um it disappoint I guess I'm disappointed that we don't I don't see like more people buying into that or being or wanting to be uh wanting to be part of that. A lot of people on Reddit and Twitter uh, hate him. They don't like him. And it's fucking weird. Yeah, it's super bizarre. It. It's like, okay, cool. You don't agree with some of his opinions. 
you don't have to agree with everyone. I don't always agree with Andrew Schultz. I still watch him. I don't always agree with Joe Rogan. I still watch him. There's a lot of people I don't always agree with. Yeah, it's like... So what? It's like you don't disagree with his opinion. Sometimes he says weird-ass shit. The guy is... Uh, to say that he's not like... Honestly, to say he's not unique is fucking weird. And like, to it, not admit yeah, that. Yeah, and then he's not making a massive... Di- like, he is the most... He is the Michael Jordan of entrepreneurs. Yeah. Like, he really is the greatest, like, be- like as far as, like, what he's created, he's impacted more. He, like, by the time he's done, he's going to have a bigger impact than Steve Jobs. He's going to have a bigger impact than Sam Walden. He's going to have a bigger impact than all of these, uh, like, all these, rev- like, larger-than-life... Uh, business figures yeah i just hope no one kills them man yeah me too. i'm, I'm kind of worried i'm legit worried about it like that someone's gonna be like yo fuck this guy and and end up uh end up killing him like uh there was a movie by jody foster was in it and My- matthew mcconaughey uh where it's like jody foster goes to space i can't remember what the hell the movie was and man i love that movie it's so awesome um can't remember what it's called. <laughs> I wish I could recommend it right now. Uh, but look up Jodie Foster and Matthew McConaughey movie. You'll if, probably find if it. Elon, if somebody assassinates Elon, I'm no longer going to joke about being on Team Robot. And I'm going to fully commit. embrace, commit embrace. being on Team Robot. I'm done with humanity. We just need to fucking get the machines up and running. And so, because... Yeah, because it's like you, we basically fucked up big time. Yeah. But yeah, like the reason why I was thinking about that movie was... Because there is a point where they're gonna they're gonna go to space, and I think the whole point was to send someone there, uh, to send someone in a in a particular spot where, uh, yeah, basically the whole the premise of the of the movie is that they got messages from potentially aliens to build a certain machine, and it's contact, a, contact. That's the one. Yeah. Very awesome movie. I loved it. I watched it like a few, like maybe a month or two ago. Um, and uh, and what's awesome about it was like there is a point in the movie, obviously no spoilers unless, you, you know, well, actually, no, it's not much of a spoiler. But uh, there's a point in the movie where someone just like destroys this massive uh, part of what they built, even though they spent so much money and so much time build- building it. And to me, it kind of feels like because of there's all these conspiracies going on, you know, and that's why this person, that's what led this person to destroy um, all this work that someone made, that uh, a group of people made. So in my head, I'm thinking like someone might target Elon because he's pushing innovation and all that. And I'm sure there's all these conspiracies and all this shit going on. That's like, hey, what if he does I don't know what if he controls our brains. He's trying to create chips. Well, actually, he pretty much is trying to control our brains, I guess. I'm all for it. I'm all for Neuralink. Yeah. Sign me up. Yeah. I, I'm all for, you know, put a chip in my brain that, like, I can snap my fingers and I go to bed. Yeah. Immediately, without struggling to go to bed. I'd fucking love that. Humanity would be so much more chill. Like, people around everywhere would be way more chill if everyone could get their eight hours, like yeah. if everyone could Most get their facts. eight hours, everyone could get their seven hours. And if you could just like quantum compute and everybody did mushrooms. <laughs> yeah. Everyone did LSD. Yeah, everyone did mushrooms. One day we need to have We're an LSD. Sorry, Marwan's parents. 
everyone everyone needs to do psychedelics at the exact same time. <laughs> yeah. The world would be fucking incredible, man. I, I, feel I like think something. we talked about that. Like, can you imagine if just like this is just like happened? Like, what Twitter would be like? <laughs> yeah, what Twitter, Instagram, all that would be like. Like the shit people would do. That's the great reset that they're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> that's the great reset. It's um, like that's why we're legalizing drugs. Is because Trudeau wants everybody to do LSD. <laughs> Dude, maybe, <laughs> maybe he took LSD or mushrooms, and he was like. Yo, everyone needs to do this. He probably did. Yeah, I wouldn't be. That's actually, I wouldn't be surprised. If he probably did that, and uh, that's why he decided to give the We Charity so much money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's why they. Uh, uh, I'm glad they decriminalized this shit, though. It. I always felt like it was as a waste of money. Yeah, man. Yo, I was reading this. Holy shit! I was reading this story about this lady. Um, her in Mexico, her, her, she lived in this uh, San Fernando, which is a city of like 60,000 people that's run by this cartel. Yeah. And her daughter got kidnapped and uh, she literally went down. She went and hunted down all of the 10 people that were involved in her daughter's kidnapping. And she like brought them to justice. Like she got them arrested. Um, yeah. Like, she, and uh, unfortunately, like, the cartels killed her, um, unfortunately, but because uh, she was doing, she had a lot of activism against the cartels, and and the whole that whole like social fabric kind of deteriorating is all because of drugs being fucking illegal, and and this economy, this yeah. like this black market economy that's been created out of that uh, has been the cause of so much violence and destruction. Jesus, man. That's fuck that she's got a lot of balls for bringing them to justice. Yeah. So that must have taken man bringing the cartel to justice. It's like how do you do that? They control the police. Like how do you fucking do that? That's like that's some determination. Like as far as I know, it's like there are communities where the cartel just runs it 100%. Yeah. And there some from what I know, from what I've heard and this is not based on like actual research that i've done <laughs> this is just based on just stuff i've heard from people uh that like are much more knowledgeable than i am i've heard that their communities that some of the communities that are run by cartel are way better than the ones that are run by like government it's like because the cartel are just they put so much money in the community to improve like anything from roads and infrastructure and shit like that you know uh which if it is true what i'm saying that's like incredible but at the same time it's like it's also scary that they have that much power and it's like yeah it's, it's, it's weird it's it's weird. uh it, it's it's fucking nuts like I, I was reading i was watching this visual politic uh video and they were talking about how like mexico because of that is actually the biggest exporter of violence like in the world because of um like the cartels because of like the just like drugs being illegal and um and how with colombia and and the cartels there no longer really being relevant or as relevant mexico has kind of taken over and um yeah it's just it's fucking stupid <laughs> and it's Jeez. all because of drugs are illegal that has created like all of this violence Jeez, and it's like uh if they would decriminalize them they would just like it would reduce violence so much 
like yeah. even in our uh like i remember in ottawa I re reading the story and i think you sent sent it to me some guy got shot in like the market because of because of because of coke or something he was like dealing coke and he he would like refuse to give some dude his coke so the guy like shot him and it's like fucking christ man this guy died because he didn't want to give coke it's like you're def you're you put your life in front of cocaine like we need Jesus we need like christ, dude. We, man we need like we need mick coke <laughs> <laughs> yeah we need, we need like we need mick coke we need me we need mick lsd we need yeah Mick Coke, <laughs> LSD, Mick mushrooms, Mick heroin, Mick shrooms. Just like make it legal. So yeah, it's uh, at least like honestly, I feel like cigarette companies are better than the cartels. Yeah, like cigarette companies uh, is like sure you're killing people, but you're not murdering people. <laughs> <laughs> you're. <laughs> That's <laughs> a great, great way to put it, man. Cigarette companies, it's like uh, they're they're innovating now. With the whole uh, what's it called? What's the USB thing that they put? The <laughs> USB. It just looks like a USB. It's like you just put a USB port in your mouth and you download the nicotine. <laughs> yeah, basically, that's what it's gonna be when we have chips in our brain. <laughs> yeah. It's like no, uh, what's the fume thing called? The the vape. Vape. Yeah, the vape thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's like that's there's not gonna be. <coughs> There's not gonna be any vape, so it's just gonna be like you you swallow something or you suck on something, and it just feeds information to your chip, and it's like that's it. The whole chip in your brain thing is is very fascinating because like Elon recently, well, like a few like a month ago maybe from this recording, filmed uh, like he showed a bunch of pigs, and it's like he showed pi uh, a pig like a happy pig, <laughs> and he's like, and then this is another happy pig. And this happy pig has a chip in his brain. And it's like, what's the difference? It's like, you see that there's no difference between them. Like, they run. They seem to run properly. Like, they seem, they run like... They operate run. like they pigs. They operate <laughs> like pigs. They're, they're the robots. They're just running. Like, pig.exe is running properly. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's pretty fascinating. Because it's like, okay, um, I think he's getting to a point where... Maybe he's already gone to a point where he's going to install it in a human. And it's super fascinating that he's making such massive progress like he's doing so much progress in ai uh and uh well in uh and chips and stuff in your brain the whole downloading your life to a brain shit he's doing so much progress with space and it's it's kind of it's kind of it's really cool but at the same time i'm like why is it that it took like, I don't want to say it's a bad thing, but it's like, I feel like that's the kind of thing that usually is spread out. Like, different groups are working on different things. And it's like, it's not all led by one man. Like, because it's all being led by one man, like, he's like the main guy, is what I'm saying. Obviously, there's so many smart people that he's working with. Yeah. But he's there's so many, but he's like the main guy leading it. And it's like, it's scary that one person is leading so many important things to progress our society from a technological standpoint and that's why i bring i go back to my point i really hope no one kills elon please he's, tom cruise he's protect tom, him yeah he's so important yeah so that's like yeah. did you hear about the tom cruise thing recently yeah 
Yeah, uh, I don't. I don't have any problem with it. No, he's I don't. Like, man, he's trying to. He's trying to be great, and uh, yeah, it's like I have zero issue with uh, with him uh, being pissed off that people is like, because the point that he was making was sure was he's like a was he a bit over the top? Yeah, probably. Yeah, like if you guys don't know, uh, basically in the Mission Impossible set recently, like in the new Mission Impossible movie. Uh, Tom Cruise yelled at a bunch of the crew and he was yelling at them because they weren't following COVID protocols, which in my, which, yeah, like we're saying, like in my head makes perfect sense. And it was recorded and it was posted online. I didn't hear the recording. I don't bother listening to this shit, but I just read what he said and I was like, yep, yeah, that makes sense. So I was saying in the previous podcast, Mission Impossible is Tom Cruise's baby. And also if, if Mission Impossible set shuts down um tom cruise is fine the crew is not fine okay the crew probably rely on money being the money that's being they make from that set being open so they're the ones that that are going to have their jobs taken away if that set has to close down you know yeah and i, I read that recently that he had he went on another rant and that five of them quit it's like okay like okay cool yeah it's like i mean like guys like we run a business here like um yeah i mean he has these certain standards and like you said is tom cruise is gonna be fine either way yeah like nothing tom cruise is probably worth like 300 plus million dollars yeah at least so um it's probably it's that's a really interesting point that you brought up about the the crew suffering yeah. Uh, more than Tom Cruise because probably most of those people make probably seventy, eighty, ninety thousand dollars a year, and um, they need. And frankly, COVID like movie theaters are dying. Yeah, and it's like if you're super passionate about that, and then what do you do? End up going to like some office job or something? In comparison, it's nowhere near as exciting. You probably feel like dead inside if you just go from that to that, like. And it's uh, it sounds to me like he's trying to like from what I even read, it's like he's basically protecting their jobs and maybe he didn't do it in like the best way. Like he didn't communicate it in the best way, but it's like he's he's protecting their jobs. He's protecting his intention Sony. is, yeah, like his intention is good. Yeah, it's like uh, um, like yeah, I have a friend of mine that like sometimes yells at me a lot. But because I know his intentions are good and I know where he's coming from, I'm like, okay, cool. Like, uh, it's like, I'll take it because yeah. I'm like, I know the intentions are good. It's just the way he's communicated isn't, isn't the best. So that's where, that's what matters to me is like, it's the intentions. It's, uh, but yeah. Yeah. It is, uh, fucking Tom Cruise. <laughs> fucking Tom Cruise. But anyway. Uh, we'll probably wrap this up soon. Yeah. Uh, anything yeah, you've got plans this weekend? Any plans that you got? Um, this I don't know what I, what the fuck I just said. I said anything that you got plans this weekend. <laughs> I, I said plans? I said. Do you have you know um, English? <laughs> I'm probably no nothing, man. With COVID, everything's kind of locked down. I'm going to Columbia though. And yes. January. Really excited about that. Oh, man, I'm so jealous. Yeah. Going, how long are you going to be there for? Two months. Holy shit. Yeah. Two months. Okay. You probably told me many times, but I keep forgetting. Okay. Yeah. Two yeah. months. I'm, uh, uh, 
I'm going to be in, in Medellin and, um, yeah, I'm going to be in Medellin for six weeks and I'm going to Cartagena for two. Are we, are you going to meet up with anyone we know or like, yeah, there's going to be a few people down there. Okay. Nice. That um, should be fun. Yeah. I have a meeting up with a few friends there. That's going to be fucking sick, man. Colombia is like, Colombia is all summer. Right in January, what is it's it like? Twenty like five. Warm and, and so January, February are like the summer months. What do you, What do you mean the summer months? Because it's like on it's on the equator. So for whatever I don't know, like the geography or the climate, but for whatever reason, January and February and Latin, like Panama, Colombia, mm. that's when it's like sunny. Like that's when it's like sunny all oh, the time, really? and when it doesn't rain. The other parts from like March to December is like it rains like all the time. Don't you need like? Uh, do you need to know Spanish really well? Yeah, or? you do. I'm, I'm like, my Spanish is probably like a four out of ten. Oh, really? So you do know a little bit. Yeah, like, you know like I bit. know, like I know, like I can read. I can usually, I can read it way better than I can speak it. Like if somebody, yeah. like if somebody says something, and um, yeah, if somebody says something, and I'm gonna have a harder time. Um, like sometimes like a, like a girlfriend will send me like a Spanish voice note. And I'm like, fuck. Yeah, <laughs> I have to. Uh, I, I, it's like I literally listen to it like three or four times. Try to understand like what is <laughs> like right. what is being said here. That much. Huh? Yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, it's tough to learn. When did you start learning? Uh, October. October. October is when I started really practicing. Oh, okay. Okay. So three months and you're already, you, you would say a four out of 10. That's, that's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Four out of 10 is like, like my listening is trash. My listening is probably like a two out of 10, yeah. um, but my reading is like a four out of 10. Like I can understand a lot of the, uh, I can understand a lot of what I'm reading. Okay. Um, but, um, yeah, usually the, yeah, the audio though is, yeah the audio there though is, is not it's not there we'll see how it goes because like uh, i know a friend of mine is there and he says his spanish isn't good and he says it does suck that his spanish isn't good like he does feel like man i would have i would be able to talk to more people talk to more locals if uh if he had better spanish i kind of want to learn spanish just for that but then again, there's also a lot of really cool places in Eastern Europe and Europe in general that I haven't visited yet that I want to. Yeah. And it's like, those places already know English. So, Honestly, like, from from what I, the pictures that I've seen, I'm like, I'm strongly considering moving. Like, I'm like, to, yeah, to Medellin. Medellin. Medellin, Medellin. Yeah. If it's like, if Holy I really fuck. like it there, then I may, I don't know. There's a lot of plans that I've like, I've, I've emotionally committed to. Yeah. Like I, I know I'm emotionally committed to eventually I'm emotionally committed to moving to New York um, before the time that I'm 30. Mm. Um, so either way, either way though, like um, I, I think it'd be really cool to live in either Colombia or New York for like two years. I think that'd be really fun. Yeah. Colombia or New York, two completely different spots. Huh? Yeah. yeah. The one thing that scares me is the winter. Like a, a, like in New York, it's still York, like yeah. not, I mean, it's better than Ottawa or Canada. Yeah, but, but it's just it's still not good in New York. Yeah, like the winters. Like, but it's probably not that bad. Uh, like I assume their systems, the the infrastructure that they have in place to for for winter is probably pretty good. Um, yeah, but uh, like a lot of snow plowers and shit like that, because Montreal has a big problem with that. Like, there's no snow plow. 
in Montreal, it's like once a week. And it's like, you'll, you'll have like a hill of snow. Yeah, it snows it's like, like so much there. Yeah, and in Ottawa, it's like, at least there's, it snows a lot here, but there's tons of snow plowers all the time, like pushing stuff out and stuff. And if you live in the downtown, which we do, it's like, uh, there's a lot of snow plowers more than in areas like, uh, in the suburban areas. Like carb. And, or carp or some <laughs> from buttfuck nowhere. Yeah. But yeah. Alrighty, uh, thank you guys for joining another episode of the podcast, please, and thank you. Thanks for having me. No problem, man. Thanks for joining. Really appreciate you coming here. Yeah. And making the journey all the way here. <laughs> appreciate it. Five minute walk. Yeah, man. That's awesome. It's uh, all right, boys and girls, and anyone else that's listening. And any others. And any others. Peace out. <laughs>